morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacksmith's Finance with me, Robert. And like Mo. No Peter today? No Peter. It's not very often these days that we have all three of us. <laughs> no, nah, we went through we went through a period where it wasn't all of us, but then we went through another period where it was like all of us all the time. But it seems like we're going back to the period of not all of us. Maybe we can go back to our winning ways one day. Yeah, we need to, we need to, man. Anyway, let's start it. Question first. Okay. <laughs> so I was having a conversation with a friend. Right? Mm-hmm. About what co- about what constitutes a threesome? Yeah. This this doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> but so let's say there's two girls and a guy, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy's doing things with the two girls, mm-hmm. but the two girls aren't interacting. Mm-hmm. That still that still counts as a threesome. Yeah, for the guy. But for the girls, it's not a threesome. It is a threesome because there's three people involved in the t- situation. Even if you're, you're only interacting with one, I reckon it's still a threesome because you're like there's still three people in the conversation okay i can agree with that <laughs> okay <laughs> now what to the topic for today <coughs> you have some weird conversations i'm definitely with the weirdest <laughs> i've had this weekend <laughs> um <laughs> well we're not gonna get into those today <laughs> okay so last week i was not about i was doing um worship leader duty things oh sweet yeah Nothing, nothing important, but it was like one of our our, our team's birthday, so we went out to celebrate mm. his birthday, and the whole thing was almost almost a fiasco. I swear, and it got me thinking. Um, okay, let me t- let me t- let me tell what happened. So, went to Bodine's, mm-hmm. which is a nice barbecue restaurant. Yeah, it's pretty nice, and um, so the way like r- reservations work is you can only book for like six six people at a time. Mm. So um, I thought, all right, cool. I'll just do two groups of six bookings because mm-hmm. everyone who I want to do invite. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I take this as a chance for like the, the, the worship team to spend time together outside yeah. of outside of um, worshiping or like playing together on Sunday. So I invited the team. I, I thought I'd invite the pastors as well because mm-hmm. I haven't been in London for that long. Mm-hmm. So I thought this would be a nice chance for them to um, experience London, and then. Um, the guy whose birthday was here asked if I could invite like a, a couple more people. Mm. Um, yeah, I was like, cool. So after, after I invited everyone, mm-hmm. I realized that there wouldn't be enough spaces. <laughs> so they were like, I think I'd, 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 I'd invited 15 people, mm. but I'd only reserved 12 spaces. Yeah. So that was going to be about Um But luckily, three people couldn't make it. Oh, so we got to the 12. Yeah. And um, the right amount, the right amount, and it also happened to be so that weekend, what well, that week was was also my pastor's um, twelve year anniversary. Dope. Being married or being a pastor? Being married. Okay. And yeah, so I, I, I think they were just gonna go home and just spend the day with the kids of, of the church. Mm. But they ended up going out to eat, and nah. and they didn't have to even have to spend the time with the kids because the kids were on the other table. <laughs> and then it got me thinking, like. Did all of this, all of these things happen, and work out do it like perfectly, mm. because it was me organizing it, or how do I put this? Man's trying to take credit. No, no, no. Okay, so my thinking is this: you know how, like, like when God blesses someone, mm-hmm. other people are like beneficiaries, beneficiary, beneficiaries of mm-hmm. that blessing, mm-hmm. without actually technically being blessed mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in that situation, was I was thinking, um, I'd want being blessed by everything being organized, or is everything being organized just like a effect of God blessing someone else within the group? Mm. <laughs> in that situation, mm. and I want to ask, like, how do you know the difference between the, between the two? That's interesting, and that's that's a that's a weird one. Um, I believe that when God works in people. There's also a um, thought for the community. Okay. So when one person becomes a Christian, it has an impact on their community. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's their immediate family, their friends, their um, their school, their ch- like wh- wherever they, they have an impact. So um, one person's blessing is definitely, um, there's a communal effect from that blessing. Um, so it's almost asking, has that person been blessed because of the community 
or has the community been blessed because of the person? Yeah. And, and how do you know the, the, the difference between the two? And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Because you're, you are, in Christ, you've been um, drawn into a body. You've been drawn into this living body. Um, so the body is benefiting from you being there, but you're also be benefiting from being in the body. And so I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think it's hand in hand, the way that God operates. So it's like he's working in you, but also through you at the same time. Yeah, but 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 how do you know to, to to whether or not to have the confidence to think? Oh yeah, if I do this next thing, it's gonna work out because because when, when I did this this thing, it worked out. Um, I think I think that's that that will come down to your convictions. Um, but I do think so. So even let's just take Paul <laughs> as an example. Um, a lot of the New Testament has been written around Paul or Paul's letters and stuff. Um, he was a blessing to the community but the community was a blessing to him as well. They provided for him actually being able to go out and do these things. They like paid his way. Um, he had fellowship with different people. He experienced different things with people like him and Silas in prison, worshiping doors, bus open, tutus, they stay in, um, the jailer gets to baptize, And it's just like the life experience, obviously he got killed eventually, <laughs> pain. But the community was a blessing unto him as well. In as much as he did all of that, yeah, but yeah, but in, in that situation, the community was a blessing unto him after he was first a blessing, after he was a blessing to them first. If that makes sense, yeah, I hate. But and yes, there's there's an element of it, but it's it's also the element of if you become a Christian, the church is only going to become a blessing to you after you've joined them. Not not necessarily. I feel like the church can still bless you even if you aren't Christian. No, no. So what I mean is like active participation in the community. So the way that you're like, if you hadn't organised it, would they all have benefit? If you hadn't been in there, you wouldn't have been able to organise it. So you wouldn't have been able to participate actively and they wouldn't be able to actively bless you back. Okay, so, so, maybe, so maybe the question is, if someone else had organised it, mm -hmm. would everything have worked out the way it would have? It might not have worked out the way it would have, but it would have worked out. How do you know? It would have worked out. Maybe some some people dropped out because it was me organising it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if I'd been someone else maybe that I can't just pay and I don't want to go eat with them but yeah I think I, I personally do think um, there's a du dual almost like a dualistic nature um, of things when it when it comes to God where it's we are seen as holy but we're being transformed into his holiness and into his likeness um, yeah kingdom of God is now but it's still yet to come so I think that there's that duality in the sense of the community is a blessing unto us, but we're also a blessing unto them. Um, so it's a reciprocal. So yeah, um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think you're just gassed. You just want to hear, nah, everything would have fallen apart if it weren't oh, you no, doing no, no, no. it. My thing is, <laughs> my fear is that, my, what's, what's my fear? My fear is that, it's not because of me that things worked out. Mm -hmm. So if I were to go out and try something else, it wouldn't work out because even though I thought it was it was because of me that things mm. worked out, well, I'll just like I'll just I'll just a better factor of everyone else's blessings through God, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I kind of I would argue that that's almost a good way to see things, um, simply because it pushes you to rely on God, that things will work out. Um, Obviously, some people might see deficiencies in terms of trusting and knowing who God has made you and being able to walk in it and stuff like that. But the sheer fact is, it's God who has made you that way. And so even in walking in who God has made you, you're having to trust in God. Mm. So some people will say, rather than confidence, confidence, have Godfidence. So your confidence... People should never say that. People should never say that. Your confidence is rooted in God. It's not rooted in your ability to be able to do. Why people so cordy? <laughs> boy, it, it, boy. I was gonna say if it works, it works, but some of them work, but shouldn't work. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's like trusting in God and having confidence in God. So it's not self-assurance. It's like you're assured in who God has made you and, and, and in God. So yeah, I'll say continue. The more you step out in faith, the more that faith is assured. Mm. Or you, you get to understand what, like, don't step out of a story built, story tower in faith. You're going to hit the floor. You're going to die. The angels might come and catch you. 
even Jesus didn't do that. Well, he could have. He could have. At, at the age of the cookie. <laughs> he didn't. But um, yeah. So there's reasonable faith in, who, in the person and the person of God and how he's displayed himself. Um, so yeah, I'll just say exercise your faith. Do you feel like you're currently walking in the will of God? Um, do you know what my vicar's wife? And as much as like, there's a lot that I don't necessarily agree with. This she says something that challenged me, and I've been thinking about it. And she said, "The will of God." Uh, she heard someone say, "The will of God is like a field rather than a tightrope." So Ooh. it's like rather than some people think that if I don't take the like um, pinpoint decisions and take the right turns, I'm off the will of God. But rather, there's like options. And God is working through them. So it's a field where you have freedom to kind of linger through the field and know that God is still working through the decisions you're making rather than the fear of making the right decisions that God wants you to make. So it's like even when you make a mistake in pursuit of God's will, God can still work through it. Okay. What's your thoughts on that? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is um, that scripture where it's talking about, is it the narrow path? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or like the narrow gate? Yeah. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. Yeah, so, yes, like that's, that's, that's the first one that came so, to mind. And this is the thing, I think the caveat is actively pursuing God's will. So it's like, um, let's just say marriage. For some people, they believe that God is going to reveal the one. For some people, they believe that there are options. Mm. And you get to pick. Let's just say there are options. You get to pick. That's a field of women. And you get to pick whoever. I like the sound of that. (laughs) (laughs) You get to pick whoever you click with. And then you're going to have to trust in God to work through that. You you don't then say, I don't like this and I'm going to bounce. No, because in the will of God, marriage till death do us part. Okay, but even in the sense of if the marriage breaks down, divorces, but you're still determined to honor and trust God in that. This I'm only putting this in because of the fallenness of man, showing that God can still operate through the fallen nature of man. So even if you end up getting divorced and you're still willing to pursue the will of God, I still believe that God can work through that. Now that isn't what God wants for us in terms of getting divorced. Um, but some situations um, result in that, unfortunately. And I, I, but I don't believe getting divorced means you're, you're um, you've off track outside of the will of God now. It might be for the marriage, potentially, but for your life, not necessarily. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think the prerequisite or the condition is actively going after God. And it's a case of if you got married to someone and both of you are actively striving for God, arguably there's less chance of you divorcing because you will want to work through things. You will want to get counselling. You'd want to see things through. You would want to pray around situations. You want to serve each other, esteem each other and the other person higher than yourselves. Mm. So it's when you become more important than the other person or your pride kind of comes into the way and stuff, that's when things start getting a bit messy. Um, I'm trying to be delicate because I know that I don't know what people's uh, like household situations are. So I don't want to be like, don't get divorced. And then people will be like, but do you know what she's like? Blah, blah, blah. Even that, that's an issue. Do you know what you're like? Yeah. <laughs> don't make me laugh. <laughs> So what do you think about the field, the, the field analogy? So I, at first, I wasn't too, I wasn't too um, keen on it. I was like, what do you mean a field? But the more I'm kind of thinking about it and the more that my relationship with God is maturing, the more I'm realizing that um, God isn't like a slave master where he's like this, like throughout your entire life, it's either A or B. If you choose B, eh, made a mistake. It's, it's not necessarily like that. It's... It's a, it's a relationship where he goes before us and he does something and then he calls us to work after it. So Jesus says, I say and I do what I see my father say and do. And in our pursuits to walk after him, 
if we don't quite put our footsteps into his footstep, there's still grace to be able to keep moving forward. Um, so I think now I more agree with the field analogy. And the reason I agree with it is because I, I feel it allows for more room to be human. Where walking a tightrope is almost like you're walking on a knife edge. And if you step wrongly, you just fall off. And it's almost like, well, God's grace is no longer for you. We know that you can miss the mark, but still have God's grace on your life. Not everyone. Hmm? Not everyone. Well, if, <laughs> not, not if you're Judas. <coughs> or Ananias. Oh, my God. And his wife. <laughs> Uh, that's actually an interesting question. And, and, Did they and, end up and in it's heaven? It's scary because, like, you never know when your chances are done. <laughs> but that's the thing. Even with that, I was uh, my, even with that. The argument is almost like, were they trying to walk in the will of God by lying to God's people? No, they just deviated. And God was like, "Yo, you've actually you're not even trying to walk. You just deviated." Yeah, but just because you deviate doesn't mean you can't deviate back. Found that, that that was the beginning of the church. Like Peter was trying to be like, yo, the feet that carry your husband now are at the door. They're gonna carry yours. Nah, that's mad. That's mad. Yeah. So, do you feel do you feel like you you can tell when someone isn't walking in in, in the will of God? Apart from like you know the like the the, the obvious things. Yeah. Um. I think they're indicators. And the main indicator is your motivation. Where's your heart? If um, if you're doing things for the wrong reason. So, here's the interesting thing. I can be doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'll still argue that doing that, you're outside the will of God. Yep. So I can be the greatest husband just so people can be like, oh, yeah, nah, he's a good husband. But my wife, it's all about me. And I believe that that's the totally wrong reasons. And doing that is outside. And as much as physically you're doing what you should be doing, like motivation-wise, you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're just loving yourself. So I feel like those loving God and loving your neighbor can almost be like the litmus test. So are you genuinely doing things to serve other people to honour other people to love God and to honour God or is it self-centred and self-seeking um, so yeah I think the motivations behind different things can reveal um, whether or not it's in the will of God or not um, or if they're leaning towards it and so as as the Bible says like man judges by the actions but God sees the hearts and the intentions so if we can see the intentions behind the action or we can discern the intentions behind an action then we can get a bit more closer to discerning. If we can discern why they're doing something, you'll be able to discern if, if it's the will of God or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with motivation being um, a key clue mm. into people walking within the will of God. Will, uh, will of God. Um, question. So I've, I've, I've always thought about this. So, so as as a married man, mm-hmm. how can I put this? I don't know if I want to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hard question. Um, what would you say are are the wrong or right motivations for wanting to get married? So like so so so, so like like if someone mm. said that we'll do it if they, do, do, they want to get married, and then okay let's say that I'm someone single and they mm-hmm. feel like and they, and they feel like they they they, they want to get married one day, and then, and and then you ask them why, what would be like an, an acceptable <laughs> answer to you? If their first if their knee react um, answer to that was was to have sex, I would question that. Why? Because it's you can come into a marriage with sex as an idol. And so then you're not interacting with your wife. Your wife or your spouse becomes an object. But then after you get married, doesn't the sex stop becoming an idol? Hmm? 
doesn't after you get married, yeah. doesn't sex no longer become an idol because no. you have it? No, no, nah. sex can be a very present idol in a marriage. I took from experience. Yes. Oh, tell us more, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I was challenged. I was I was personally challenged because like obviously when you get married, you enjoy having sex with your partner. Hopefully, um, and I was challenged that I wasn't engaging with my wife. I was I was forcing her to bow down to the altar to, that I had erected to sex. So I was just, I just wanted to have sex. And I was just like, yo, we need to have sex. So it wasn't necessarily, I want to be intimate with you. Just I just want to have sex. And you're my wife, so I can't go outside. So you just need to give it to me. Mm. Obviously, it wasn't that direct in a way that I was communicating it with her. But God was like, That's, that, that was the motivation. That was the intention behind it. And so if they just like to have sex, and I'd be like, well, that's an idol. You've, you've almost fantasized sex. Uh, not that's an idol playing it, it has the potential to become an idol in, in your marriage. Okay. Um, and Christianity doesn't necessarily, or the way that we present marriage sometimes doesn't help where stay pure before marriage and then after marriage you can enjoy it all, all, all the more. So it's like, we're almost like, well, I want to have sex, so I need to get married. And that almost becomes a catalyst into it. But I'm just like, that's but not that, healthy. But, 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 but doesn't it say in the Bible somewhere that if you're burning with desires, then it's good that you should yes, get married? Yes, it does say that. And the thing is, it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't then say that's the main. Pur- that's the only purpose of marriage or whatever stuff like that. And even when you get into marriage, it does say for the husbands, your body is your wives, and for the wives, your body is your husbands. Mm. And so, sex is no longer about you, for you anyways. It's about pleasing the other person. And so, if as a husband you're thinking about pleasing your wife, knowing that your wife is thinking about pleasing you, then sex is no longer about you for you. It's about your wife. Trusting that your wife for your wife's going to be about you. Mm. So then it's, it's almost like, yes, I'm burning, but now that I'm in a situation, I'm thinking about you. Okay. Trusting that you're going to think about me. Okay. So even in that, it's like, yeah, it, it kind of goes beyond that. Um, if, so for me, one of the things that really drew me towards marriage was that I knew that I was very much geared around serving and wanting to have a family. Okay. To be able to love a family, to raise offspring and stuff like that. Um, and so that was one of my driving forces. If someone's mentioned something like that, I'd be like, cool, I can respect that. I can see that you're orientated around family. What about if someone says like, oh, what's that thing that girls love to say? What's that thing? Because they just have so much love in their heart and no one <laughs> they need someone to give it to. <laughs> girls love that one. <laughs> Better go buy a pet. <laughs> um... So, and I think one thing that I want to say is that some people are like, oh, I want to get into a marriage because of my purpose. I need someone to be able to help me in my purpose. Um, help me. So basically, you see, let's just carry your bags. Mm. Like, I think anything that you, all the reasons why we want to get into a marriage can become idols. So people can be like, I want to have children. And so your children become an idol. I want to have a life partner. They become your idol. So any reason that we actually want to get into marriage can become an idol, not just sex. But it's, um, are you willing to submit the marriage to God? Um, Are you willing to serve the other person first? Are you willing to be changed and transformed in that marriage? Um, It's very hard to kind of throw out um, indicators. It, It very much will be on a person to person case or scenario basis um but if it's very much a case of you then I'll challenge you because as soon as you get into a marriage it's no longer about you mm. it's about the other person and so yeah and it's about the other people that will be coming in as a result of that so yeah. children extended family <laughs> stuff like that um so yeah I was just saying Anything that is geared, I want to do this, I want to do that, I have a purpose and I need someone to help me and nah, but it's like, yeah, so I'll just challenge you to, to be more self-serving. No, not, not self-serving, to be selfless. Yeah. So I think that that would, for me would be it if everything that the person is talking about is just geared towards their, um, geared towards them. 
rather than that reciprocal nature where they get to love another person, kind of help them walk the, what they're doing and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay, I think that we just play a nice place to round up. Do you know what? Um, yeah, <laughs> round up there. <laughs> but um, you thought about to ask you. Yes. <laughs> what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. Um, again, I think it's down to motivations. Mm. So like two people could say, might mean the same thing, but, they were, but like the way they, yeah. they, they word it mm-hmm. shows you where the heart sort of is. Yeah, so I think it's just about listening out to what to to mm. what they say and and how they say it. Dope. Um last week, I believe, we had a conversation where I mentioned not liking the notion of if the person's not adding to you, then like drop them out, mm. build blah blah blah, and then afterwards you were challenging me on that and I was talking about I don't believe that the Bible talks about creating community based on um, what I can get from you, but rather um, how we can live together. Yep. I didn't necessarily say it in those terms, rather than like, you need to uh, prescribe to these predefined um, conditions, and if you don't, you're out. Um, and in my com- in my that dialogue, I realized, I said, oh, the Old Testament for the Jewish nation, God prescribed how the community should be like and if you didn't adhere to that then you'd be out mm-hmm. um, which then invalidated what I was saying but I've been thinking about it throughout the week and I just wanted to add um, I wanted to add that it's like it seems as though with the work of God there's always a drawing in and then a pushing out so um, or drawing in for the purposes of pushing out but even pushing out is pushing back in to be pushed out um, so it's almost like a cyclone yeah. um, where the nation <laughs> nation of Israel was pushed in to be formed into something and then pushed out. Um, so they, like, obviously they didn't adhere to what God was doing. And so God was saying, so God kind of exiled them and put them into different places and captivity and stuff like that. But even there, God was still challenging them to live by the way that he wanted them to live. And by doing so was being a demonstration to the people there of God's mark on them. Mm. And then in Jesus, we see him put drawing in disciples and then pushing them out. And then as they go out, he's like, make disciples that make disciples. So as you go out, draw people in and then push them out to draw other people in to push them out. Um, And so... And especially in the New Testament, once I feel like um, in Jesus, we find the fulfillment of what God intended to do through the Israel nation, where he drew them in in order to truly push them out. And in Jesus, we see him coming to be pushed out to draw in the sheep that weren't part of his fold into his fold. Yeah. So in the New Testament, when Paul goes to different places and the... Jews were trying to impose the Mosaic law on them. He was like, no, stay how you were when you first came to Christ. Only don't eat meat that still has its blood in it and like um, give to widows and stuff like that. So it was only like two or three conditions that was placed on them. Mm. And those were even recommendations. Um, this, this is what you should do, um, but remain the way that you were. And so I see, I do see the emphasis on engaging with people who aren't like you or don't adhere to you and only in that way can you be light in the darkness but the only way to maintain your light is to still be plugged into the source of the light and so that might look like your Sunday connect group your whatever that you're doing your cell meetings and stuff like that but not negating the people who are the people who are darkness or perceived as darkness and you being the light in there because that's what Jesus was and we're being called to be like Jesus where he ate with the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, all of them guys there. So he was the light in that. And the Pharisees were like, no, we're not going to sit with you if you're not like us. And there's almost that Pharisee sort of uh, mindset in if you're not one of us, we're not sitting with you. Mm. (laughs) So yeah. Okay. Just wanted to share that reflection. Still a couple of people I wasn't <laughs> invited to the group. <laughs> I digress. Okay, hookups. Um, I'll go first. So my hookup this week is a book, okay. Shoe Dog, 
by Phil Knight. Phil Knight is the guy that created Nike, and it's, oh, sir. it's just his autobiography about um, how Nike came to be. I'm about a fifth of the way through. No, about a sixth of the way through. And so far, he's just come back from Japan where he met with these like shoemakers, shoemakers in Japan. Mm. And he had a contract with them. Mm. And so he was going to be like the wholesaler from, from like this company, mm. bringing these, these like cheap running shoes to Japan. And he was selling it, doing, he was doing great. Only for them to go and do business with like some other guy. And he gets letters saying, fam, if you continue selling these shoes, I'll take you to court. So it's a bit peak for him right now. Mad. And, and 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 the thing about uh, the thing what I like about his story is that when you, when you hear stories like this, it is it, always about someone who came from poverty and mm. they worked their way up. Now this guy went to Stanford, he went to Harvard, so so <laughs> he's doing quite well for himself and using what what he learned to that his like Trump. advantage. Yeah, I got a small loan of a million dollars. Yeah, that's yeah. Hookup. Also, uh, secondary hookup because Peter's not here, so I'll take his one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meek Mill's new album came out, Championship. It is quite wavy. Ah, I didn't like it too tough. You didn't like it? Yeah, I heard I heard free, and I was just like, oh. free you, was nice. Do you know what? Yeah, a lot of people were hyping, and I think I bought too much into the hype, and the the song didn't live up to the hype that I bought up to. Okay. So I need to listen to the track for its own merits. Mm. But yeah, I was just like, oh, oh, this. Uh, mm. I think it's right now my favorite is the song that he did with Fabulous. Oh, I don't think I heard that one. That one was a, a wavy tune. Yeah. Well, look out for it. Um, Championship Meek Milk. I think his mixtape, Dream Chasers, has always been the one that Ooh, I've, I've yes, vibed with the most. Yes. Um, I'm not sure. You might have actually dropped this as a hookup. Um, Black's album. East Atlanta Love Letter. I think I dropped that a couple weeks ago. Yo, this the album <laughs> has been on repeat. The album has been on repeat. Oh yeah. Yo, Pretty Little Lies. Do you know when Pretty you Little Fears? Pretty, pretty Little, little Fears. That's it. Pretty Little Fears. When you first mentioned Pretty Little Fears, I thought it was another song that J Cole featured on. Another song that he featured <laughs> okay. on that I wasn't feeling too tough because um, his flow just went left. Now, what he was talking about just went left. Mm. But, yo. There are so many bangers on that album. Bro. Do you, do you know, like, this is putting me back into the into the position of wanting to listen to songs where people are singing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just yeah. like, nah. Like, yo. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that he, he rapped. Um, I did know, but it didn't, like, click. Mm. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so go and check Black, out that album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back into it. So, I'm sure you've heard of this guy, Moses. His name is, I don't even know his name, John Allen Cho. Does that name sound familiar? No. All right, so he, he, is, he, he is, he was a Christian who went to the Sentinel Islands. And got killed. Yes. So for those who don't know, so like the Sentinel Island is like one of these places that are like secluded from like outside human in- interaction and then this christian um oh, what's the word a missionary mm-hmm. he tried to go to this island to go and um convert this like this this this, 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 this like people who are who are, who are almost like untouched by time um so he he like got some people to smuggle him to the island only for him to get there and they killed him and like it's so peak that people are are scared to even go and and like try and get his body back because because like these guys are on it they will shoot down anything that that is not of them and it's a bit crazy and then I was talking about this with a friend who was talking about it with this group that she is she's in and one of the people in the group said that she was really proud of of like this guy for doing that and, mm. and getting killed in the process. Mm-hmm. And like my friend said that she didn't understand. And um, I could understand. I don't know if I would agree with feeling proud. <laughs> Again, like like we were talking about all. all uh, mm. At first, I was like, it, "Well, it depends on his motivations for 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 going to do this." But then I thought about it, and I was like. In the Bible, Jesus told tells us to go and make disciples. So, 
was he wrong for going to this to this tribe and trying to bring the gospel to them? I don't think it was wrong. Again, it will be down to motivations. Because um, a bag of missionaries have been killed. Mm. bag of missionaries have been killed. And um, arguably the gospel has, sp- has, has spread further through their blood. Um, so... Um, I know that Paul Washer, this, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know how I feel about the statement now. Um, but he was saying, like, he's got kids, and if his kids were to grow up and say, oh, like, we, we believe we've been called to be missionaries, he'd be like, yo, pack your bags, go. And, like, if they were killed, he would kiss the ground that they were kissed, they were killed on. Like, he would mourn them, but he'd be like, you were doing the Lord's work. Um, and it was like just the imagery of like kissing the ground where this where they shed their blood. It's was a bit, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit mad. And that's what I was like, I'm not sure if well, I agree with that. I get the sentiment. I though. get the sentiment. <laughs> um. So yeah, again, it's like, did he did he do it? Because I just saw a picture of him smiling in some. I'm not sure if that was a picture of him actually there, but um, if it was, how did they send it out? No, I don't. I don't think he was smiling when you go to the island. <laughs> I don't think they got Wi-Fi. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a weird one because I literally Tuesday on Tuesday I heard a story about a woman who um just felt God saying just jump on a boat and just sail. She was like, I'm gonna trust you. Jumped on a boat, sailed, ended up in China. Um, she she went from London, ended up in China. Um, I'm not sure she went from London, but I think she was Western. Went went got to China and when she got to China she just alright cool God I'm here I'm going to trust you for where, I, from where I'm going to go and then she just walked just, just walking around and then ended up in a piece of land that the Chinese government and the British government were fighting over so no one had jurisdiction over that mm. so over that piece of land so that land was literally just like an outlaw's land where there was like rapes, murders, like crime, and no one could st- go in there and do anything about it. Um, and that's where she built her church. Oh, wow. And that's where it's like the church, like she's passed away, but the church is still going. She wasn't killed. She passed away of natural causes, and the church is still going. It's going strong, blah, 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 this and that. And so with stories like this, in a land where people are like, rah, like, what, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And to see God's work happening through this, to then see this guy's example and be like, well, you're dumb. It's almost like negating that God very much could have been at the heart of this. Um, so, so again, I think for me, it just comes down to motivation. It's, yeah, I really don't know what to make of it. Mm. So would you try people, if they're killing all these missionaries before they get a chance to even get two words out, um, do they get a pass to heaven if no one has, has ever preached the gospel to them? I believe you'd be judged on what you know. or what not, You can't be judged on what you don't know. Okay. Um, so I saw a meme. Um, someone was like, so if God is going to judge me based on what I know, and before I didn't know Jesus, why did you tell me about him for me to reject him and only get judged for rejecting him? <laughs> <laughs> um, Very valid question. <laughs> Very um yeah so uh, again this is pulling this is leaning on the justice the justice side of god where it's i can't um convict you of a unlawful act you haven't committed or yeah that you haven't committed so you haven't rejected christ if you haven't been told about him but what defines being told about christ because there's because there's a difference between someone coming up to you and saying, "If you don't believe in God, you're going to hell," mm-hmm. and maybe um, Jesus loves you, and that's it, mm-hmm. and actually being explained what the gospel is. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, as Paul said, the gospel we preach doesn't come doesn't come like it wasn't taught, not human, wasn't handed down, but it came out of revelation. And so I believe that it's the revelation of Jesus that actually converts a man's heart rather than doctrine. And what the person can be taught. Um, 
but I do believe is is communicative and so you we communicate something of Jesus and if you haven't been communicated to then how would you know and obviously the world testifies to his greatness and stuff but that leads us to paganism mm. where rather than worshiping the creator we worship the created because we can see something like Isaiah says the whole earth is filled with his glory so we can see something of the splendor of God in nature, in animals, in, in streams and stuff, and we start worshipping that rather than the person who created it. Yeah. And even in trying to fathom the person who created it, we fashion it after the image and likeness of something that we have seen which is created. And so, like, indirectly, we start worshipping something created. Mm-hmm. We've created. And some people argue that Christianity is of man's imagination has been created. Obviously, there's a debate around that. Peter would be happy to get into it with you. Um, I don't think I'd be happy to get into it with you. <laughs> so, Peter's just that guy. He'll go on to that for days. Um, so, yeah, I believe that more than likely, these untouched areas will be very superstitious because they see signs, they see omens, they, they have a special relationship with, with the earth and stuff like that. And yeah, for the most part, they've held some sort of superstition, um, which again, hints to them understanding that something greater is at work. Um, so, But I don't believe the created world is enough to reveal to you the fullness of God. The Bible and the created world, yes. The Bible and humanity, yes. Toward spirit, Bible, and yeah, um, but the world by itself, no, it points towards God, but it doesn't reveal Him. Okay, do you feel like no matter what stage of your Christian walk you're in, what, how, however much or little knowledge you have about Christ, you should share it in um, whenever you can, or do you think you, you should wait until you're at a certain level before you try and preach the gospel to people? No, I believe I believe you should share it. Um, Obviously, I'm not saying as soon as you become a Christian, go stand in the pulpit and start talking. Nah, I believe conversation. Um, just having conversations with people, interacting with people in day to day, and just expressing what you what you believe. But also being open and honest. So I'm actually happy that I re- uh, shared my reflection, being open and honest about mistakes and limitations that you have been restricted by, or you have held. Um, and how that has changed. Mm. So with me saying that you challenged my thought and I went back and I thought about it, but now I still agree because of this. Um, Being open and honest enough to be able to be like, yo, I was actually wrong about this understanding. I believe it's more along the lines of this. Yeah. Um, And that will even like shed weight on your relationship with God to others, Mm -hmm. where you're able to admit your wrongs and like, I thought God was like this, but I might be mistaken. Um, and even when you share your doubts, it shows unbelievers that, yo, it isn't something that you just need to grasp and just walk off with, but it's something that you almost wrestle with. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like one of the best ways to show, share the gospel is through changed behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing things differently from when you, yeah. um, when you didn't believe in God, mm-hmm. even if you don't know all the doctrine, yeah, like you're now walking in the way a Christian who believes yeah. in God should, then yeah. um, I feel like that can be so much more effective than just talking to someone. Just talking about it, yeah. Talking about it for like 10 minutes straight. And plus, I, I feel like when you talk about God, you then realise aspects and elements that you don't know. Mm. And that becomes a catalyst to try to find out more. Um, hopefully not just so you can go to other people and say, well, I know this now, but just so you know God for who he is um, so that's why even like going out and trying to evangelise or having conversations with people and oh but what about this oh I never thought about that hmm what does that mean for this what does that mean for that um, how do I factor that into this let me look at the bible let me talk to other Christians let me see let me see if I can get a teaching on this just to kind of ground myself in this um, so you don't know what you don't know until you know that you don't know so it's a case of until you have these conversations that pulls out what you don't know how can you address it what's the last thing that you've you found out that you didn't know that you didn't know 
Um, Hit one. I don't know why I'm just trying to go into something that's so like heavily profound. <laughs> um, in my relationship with God, or just in general? Relationship with God. Um, um, so yeah yesterday actually um that is not me pursuing god is god pursuing me mm. okay and it's simply we think devotional time time in church i'm actively pursuing god but in reality from my experience anyways like our affections waver so much that what we pursue fluctuates like in a ridiculous amount of times in a day but the one consistent pursuit that we see in god is a pursuit of us where even in jesus he's, he's like come down and he's pursued us he's died rose and in his spirit he is still like working in us and like pursuing that relationship with us god pursues us more than we can ever pursue him yeah so that that i knew god pursues us more than we can ever pursue him but yesterday struck me that it wasn't necessarily me pursuing god but god pursuing me and the spirit in me is pushing me back to him Mm. so it comes back to the notion of i love god because he first loved me i am pursuing god because he first pursued me God isn't calling me to do something that he hasn't already done. Okay. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, it's, oh, it sounds so stupid and like so obvious. But um, I've been reading up a lot of, I've been reading a lot recently about prayer mm-hmm. and stuff. And so one of the devotionals I was reading yesterday was talking about um, how God always answers prayers. Mm. It's just sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> and it, it's so simple and it makes so much sense. But I feel like whenever people talk about prayer um, be, uh, um, being answered, they, they they talk about it in the sense that God has answered the prayer in, in the way they want it to be answered. Mm-hmm. So if they say, oh, God has answered my prayer. Uh, sometimes, yeah what you're praying for is not it's not on the cards nope and that's his answer and um i don't know i found i, I found solace in that and yeah sometimes no is yeah i feel like once you know a no you know that that's once you know that that door's been closed mm. you know that you've got the freedom to pursue other things yes. rather than just continue standing there trying to bang on the door yeah when these sounds got it's like it's a brick wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I'm definitely going to see how I can use that mm. going forward and seeing what comes <laughs> as a result of it. Yeah, there's definitely that challenge to be. It's like, oh, so I've prayed for this, but but you're saying no. Is is that what you're saying to me? No. Cool. <laughs> for some, for some, that's that's like kicking the teeth. Yeah. Because they, I, I think the one that I heard was good. Um, God answers our prayers and sometimes the answer is um, not yet. So they've almost deferred the no to not yet. Yeah. Um, I want a wife, not yet. When God could be saying no. Mm. Um, and the thing is like, God's no's aren't just no and then that's it. It's no, but then there's this mm. sort of thing. So, so the, 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 yeah. the, there's, also, there's always a follow one or a next step Yeah. after you've asked that question. It's even... Reminds me of Jesus praying at Gethsemane, where it's like, if this be your will, let this cut pass from me. Mm. But it's like, but nonetheless, not my will, your will. So yeah. it's almost like, let this cut pass from me. No, that's not my will. This is my will for you. So Jesus was able to be like, this is what I want. But nonetheless, your will. So it's almost like, I'm willing to let go of what I want, yeah. to hold on to what you have for me. And I think that all of us need to be challenged with that in that. Yeah, willing to let go of what we pray for in pursuit of what God has for us. Yeah. 
was, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. But in the end, <laughs> what God wants to happen, one, it will happen, mm. and two, it will be, um, I want to say it will be the best thing for you. Eternally. Eternally, it will be the best thing for Unless you. you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it might mean that you go to an island and they kill you for trying to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. But if it's done in the right way, you, you're going get, to yeah. get your crown when you yeah. get up there. I think um, Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it, I, someone tried to do an expository about that, talking about Paul had lived his life. He was in the latter years of his days, the latter days of his years. And he was like, yes, I've done this. No, like for Christians, to die is gain. Mm. Like if you die, you're gonna go see God. That's the greatest gain you can get. That's when this. That's when the journey really begins. You know, like that. Like that's that's when that's the greatest thing you can get. Not necessarily saying that as soon as you become a Christian, kill yourself. No, <laughs> that's not it. Because he said to live is Christ. It's like in in life you get to taste something of God. You get to taste something of Jesus in the broken and fallen world, knowing that you are broken and fallen. So even in your sin, even in like falling short, making mistakes, doing the wrong things, you're still tasting of God's grace. You're still tasting of his mercies and stuff. And that is something equally, well, not equally, but that is something of God that you're tasting. Now, when you get to heaven, it's, it's like unrestricted. There's nothing there. The sinful nature isn't there to hinder that. So you can experience God's grace, experience his mercy, experience him for who he is without the restrictions that we have. There'll still be a restriction. You can't experience God to his fullness. Um, he's God. Yeah. I feel like we're not playing around, though. Mm. Thank you for listening, guys. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about threesomes. <laughs> that's, what Yay, I, nay. that's what I would hear about. <laughs> he's just trying to whittle down he, he, the, the potentials. Um... No, no. <laughs> I think I've passed that stage in my life. Where <laughs> I, I want to have a threesome. Yes. Um. Yeah. Anyway, but that's the conversation for another time. Uh, thank you for listening. Shout out to Rude for the intro and outro music. Calvin Turner for the ordinary amazing logo. You can find us at Twitter at the Furnace UK. Email email us at tbsfurnace at hotmail dot com. Um. You can listen to us at soundcloud dot com forward slash the backs for no apostrophe. On all good podcasts and websites and apps, the Blacksmiths fans with an apostrophe. I think that's everything. Peter should be back next week. Yes, sir. So back to have it'll be good to have to find us back together again. Any shout outs for you? Um Nancy Meets. Oh yeah, Nancy Meets is coming out soon. Last season. Season finale. No, it's not season finale. <laughs> finale season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm tired. I'm sick. I need to go to sleep. So this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out. Blow. Blow.